0: Good afternoon, you're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of the Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us today as he opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Let's turn
1: the Word of God to the Psalm 81, please. I'm reading together from the verse number eight. Hear, O my people, And I will testify unto thee, O Israel, if thou wilt hearken unto me. There shall no strange God be in thee, and neither shalt thou worship any strange God. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. So I gave them up unto their own hearts' lust. And they walked in their own counsels. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. I should soon have subdued their enemies, and turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him, but their time should have endured forever. He should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat. And with honey out of the rock should I have satisfied thee. When you survey the biblical history of the word of God, we find that often the Lord's people have known defeat and loss. And this is the case summarized for us at the end of this psalm. We are told that, oh, that the people had hearkened unto me, verse 13, the words of the Lord, I should soon have subdued their enemies. Verse 16, he should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat. They've suffered loss. They've suffered defeat. They could have known progress. If they had fulfilled these conditions, they could have known progress in the kingdom and provision from the Lord. But verse 11 tells us, but my people would not hearken to my voice and Israel would none of me. They didn't meet these two conditions. The first of the conditions uh, we, we understand readily. There is a necessity of God's people obeying the voice of God. God is pleased to bless those who walk in obedience to his command. But the second of the condition is somewhat more intriguing. It says here, Israel would none of me. And I ponder, I wonder, well, what does that actually entail? Well, I think we get the answer to what that means in light of the preceding words. Because when you see that there is the, uh, just this sorrow that they did not hearken to my voice, well, that relates back to the command of God in verse 8. Hear, O my people, if thou wilt hearken unto me. And then verse 11, but my people would not hearken to my voice. And so that suggests to me that, well, that first command is not met. Well, is there therefore a second command that is not being met when it says, Israel would none of me. And the other command is found in verse number 10. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. And I suggest to you that the disobedience to that command is what is involved in the words, Israel would none of me me to have none of God is to not depend upon God it is not to not rely upon God and so conversely to open our mouths wide is a plea for dependence on God it is a, a plea from God that we would depend upon him that we'd open our mouths and he would indeed fill it Our efforts for God in his service are proportional to your convictions regarding God and His ability. I'd like to consider this matter tonight of the open mouth. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. It is a command, please be clear, it is a command to expect great things of God. That's what the command's all about. It is a command to believe, to expect God not simply to do small things for his children, but to do great and marvellous things. It's a command to open our mouths in the expectation that God will fill our mouths. Spurgeon tells us that this imagery is taken from the natural world. If you were to watch the little birds in the nests in the United Kingdom, you will see that when the chicks are born, that they will wait patiently in the nest. And they wait in the nest for the the parent bird, the mother, to return. And they're waiting for food. Grubs, worms, children, things that are deeply unpleasant for you and me. But those little birds, they cannot wait to the mother to bring back that necessary nutrients. And when the mother returns, you then see these little birds and they have their mouths wide open. And their mouths are open wide in the expectation that they will be filled. And Spurgeon says, that's exactly what's involved in this picture. And I think he's right. And he's right in part because of what I said regarding verse 11. Israel would none of me. that they, they did not wait in expectation upon God to supply their needs. And to supply their needs generously. And God's telling them, open your mouth wide. Have great expectations of my blessing, and I will fill it. God is calling us all to enlarge our vision, to open our mouths and to expect great things from his hand. It is a command with a promise. A command, open thy mouth wide, and the promise is then contained, I will fill it. How gracious is our God. And so if we rightly understand the promise well, then it should in turn motivate us in obedience to the commands. So to begin with tonight, let's think about the foundation of this promise. Now, this is a bold promise. I will fill it. God is confident that he is able to fill the widest mouth of the heart with the greatest expectations. could be said, to all of us as believers that our mouths are too narrow God is saying to us that we do not really appreciate what he's offering here but he is able to fill it at times as, as men and women we, we are guilty of uh, promising things that we promise in vain empty promises promises that we cannot fulfill we, we may not know the future we may have insufficient power or resources or they may simply be insincere promises But none of these things are true for God. When God says he will fill it, then he is bound by his own name and by his own character. As a God that cannot lie, he is bound to fulfill the promise. And there are things that are in this portion that encourage us. Encourage our confidence regarding God's ability to fulfill what he's promised to do. There is the immediate context That in itself is an encouragement to us. And the immediate context reminds us that God is the only true and living God. Look what it says. In light of hearkening to God in verse 8, the command of God is, There shall no strange God be in thee, neither shalt thou worship any strange God, Rather, and I'm inserting that word, Rather, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. I alone am the true and living God. Any strange God is a false God, is a mockery to the true God. God says here, I am the only true and living God. Idolatry can never fill your mouth. So, God is saying here, there is no point in you trusting the strange gods. They are impotent gods. You think of Psalm 115 they have eyes, but they cannot see. Ears of they, but they can't hear. Mouths, but can't speak. Hands and feet, but they can't do anything at all. They are impotent gods, but our God's in the heavens. He doth whatsoever he pleases. There is one true and living God. And this God is a God of the ability and the resources of the one true and living God. One man has said this, For God to give us a world is less than us giving a penny to a poor man. Such is the greatness of God's resources. There's a story told regarding Alexander the Great. There was occasion in his life where he gave a valuable present to a poor man. It was a very valuable present, and the man responded and was to decline the present. He said, oh, I can't take that. It is, it is far too much for me to receive. Conscious of his poverty, conscious of the greatness of the gift, he would decline the gift. Alexander the Great is said to reply to him, It is not too much for me to give. And such is the generosity. And the resource of our God, who shall apply our need, is not out of, but according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Why would you open your mouth? Why would you expect great things from God? Because he is able. He is the one true and living God, who alone is able to fulfill such a promise. Are you in need of comfort? He is the God of all comfort. Are you in need of deliverance? Well, nothing is too hard for the Lord. He can make all things new. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. Tell me the truth. How often is it the case that you stop your prayers short because you do not believe that God is able to answer those prayers? And so you pray simply those things that you believe are within the ability of God. And we haven't the boldness. Realizing that God is the one true and living God. There's also in the second place, uh, encouraging this prayer and the promise, the, the foundation of these promises or this promise. The second thing is the command of God. God has himself commanded, open thy mouth wide. We are rightly cautious in our approach to the Lord. We are sinful creatures. Can we really come to God with an open mouth, expecting God to fill it? Can we really pray bold prayers? Are we not presuming in his kindness? Is it not the case that the Calvinistic understanding of depravity leads us to the point that we would, we would not dare presume upon what we know to be grace? For grace to be grace, can we presume upon it? Would we go to this gloriously holy gods as sinners and open our mouths wide expecting him to fill it here the God of heaven has commanded us commanded us to open our mouths wide with the assurance that he will fill it having his divine authority we cannot be charged with presumption if we ask much of God Perhaps already you begin to go, Preacher, this is all well and good, but what about the will of God? Well, I understand, and you know I understand, that our prayers must be governed by those things that are revealed in his word. Now, this command is not giving us a right to pray presumptuously of things that are not revealed in the word of God. It is, it is governed by the will of God. But what is significant is there are things in the word of God that we still don't pray for. I think it's really remarkable in like Psalm 1, 2, 6. Where God brings the people back from their captivity. They were like those that dreamed. They had no expectation that God would do what he did in returning the captives. And yet what is significant is we know from Daniel 9 that the return from captivity was in the revealed will of God. So even though it was the will of God, they still were surprised, (laughs) dreaming almost, that God had returned their captivity. And there are times that we pray far short of the will of God. So here we have a command, a command of God to expect great things from God. We have also, regarding these foundations of this promise, we have God's covenant here. Note the language of verse number 10. I am the Lord thy God which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. That sounds terribly like Exodus chapter 20. God is the God of the covenant. The word Lord there in capitals again, it's a a reference to Jehovah, the God that appeared to, to Moses in the bush. But the God who is the God who enters sovereignly into covenant with his people, whether it be to Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, all of these individuals, God entered into covenant, binding the covenant with an oath, an oath of blessing. Hebrews chapter 6 gives the details of the covenant made with Abraham, a covenant to bless, and God bound himself with an oath because he could swear by none greater. And so when you think about the covenant God of the heavens who has covenanted to bless his people then we see a foundation undergirding this promise. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it because I bind myself by my own name to bless you and I will not deny myself says the covenant God of heaven. He cannot deny himself. And therefore he is bound himself to keep his word. There's also the charity of God. We see it here in verse number 10. I am the Lord thy God which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. It is a language of redemption. And here, of course, we see God's charity. We see his his love or bondage. Our bondage is worse than that of those in Egypt. We're in bondage to sin and Satan the law. We're not simply born to some wicked slave master in the flesh. Our deliverance was not just from Egyptian darkness, but from our own wickedness and impiety Our redemption. Infinitely greater they were delivered by the sacrifice of a lamb. We are delivered by the sacrifice of the lamb of God, the son of God. And God who spared not his own son, but delivered up for us all, we have the assurance, of Romans 8 verse 32, that he will with them freely give us all things. The love of God is the absolute assurance that if we open our mouths wide, he is willing and able to fill it. And so we see, even in the very context of the words, there are these the tremendously strong foundations undergirding this promise From us grounded on who God is and what God has done. And therefore the exhortation is that we should get our mouths open. We must expect great things from God. This is what God demands of his people. But what should we expect when we open our mouths? With what will God fill our mouths when we pray these things? I said already I don't want this to be an encouragement for going beyond the will of God. I don't want to think in vague and nebulous terms here. Open your eyes, and you go home and you open your eyes, and you just oh, what am I doing? I've no idea what this is all about. Well, well, let's look at the context again. What things are we to expect God to do? Well, let's think about the fulfillment of this promise then. And the fulfillment comes to us in these negatives. If the people of God If they had relied upon God, then this is what God would have done. If they had hearkened and if they relied upon God, then God would willingly, verse 14 through 16, would willingly have seen the kingdom progressed and seen them provided with great blessings. And so what are we to open our mouths for? Well, at least in part, we are to open our mouths for the progress of the kingdom verse 14 and 15 there is the assurance that if the people of God had relied upon God he would have subdued their enemies it is godly to desire the defeat of god's enemies and included in that desire is the advance of the kingdom now we do not wreck we do not wrestle against a physical nation or physical opponents we wrestle against principalities and powers Rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places, that's where we wrestle. And we are to pray for their defeat. God says, Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. And when you have such expectation, when you live in reliance upon me, I will subdue your enemies. God does, in the mystery of his sovereignty, He connects the advance of his kingdom with the prayers of his people. People say, well, how do you put those things together? I don't need to put them together. They are together in the word of God. The God who sovereignly has ordained the success of the church is the same God who has sovereignly ordained that prayer be the means to that end. And if we rely upon God and expect things of God, he is willing to subdue our enemies. And so Christ himself tells us, you make sure, disciples, you pray this. Pray thy kingdom come. And what are you praying for? Well, the catechism tells us. We pray that Satan's kingdom may be destroyed. That the kingdom of grace may be advanced. Ourselves and others brought into it and kept in it and that the kingdom of glory may be hastened. What desires do we have for the progress of the kingdom? Are we simply praying that God will keep our souls? Or have we an earnest expectation that God will not only bring ourselves, but others into it? Are we praying for laborers, to fill vacant pulpits? Or are we praying for a surplus of labourers so that not only are the vacant pulpits filled, but there is an advance of the kingdom into new places? How narrow is your mouth? How much are you expecting to God to satisfy your expectations? Are you praying small prayers or great prayers within the will of God? We have also the encouragement of provision. Verse 16, He should have fed them also the finest of the wheat and with honey out of the rock should have satisfied thee. If they had obeyed God, he would have honored them, providing for them in the meeting of their needs. Again, we should see this in spiritual terms. We are not again a physical nation. We are a spiritual people. We're a royal priesthood unto God. And ultimately the language here is fulfilled in Christ. Christ. He is the bread of life. There is no bread finer than Christ. He is the finest of the wheat. He is the sweetest out of the rock that is Himself. Every grace is honey that comes out of Christ, who is the rock of ages to our souls. And out of Christ, there is every spiritual blessing. And we are encouraged open your mouths wide. And God will fill our mouths with every spiritual blessing. I think of Psalm 119. and the verse 131. I opened my mouth and panted. For I longed for thy commandments. Do you need direction or guidance? Are you struggling with the word of God? Unclear regarding truth? Well, here's a word for your soul. Open your mouth wide and God will fill it. You're not sure regarding truth in this area or that area? You can expect for God to provide the spiritual food of his word. You have the Psalm 103. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things. So that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Sometimes the people of God get terribly discouraged and weary. They spiritually feel like 90 year olds. Kind of went for a safe age. But they feel very, very old. They feel their knees are creaking when it comes to pray. And they feel their their hands, uh, they are all arthritic and they uh, they cannot function in the service of the kingdom. They, they feel the pains in their legs. They try to walk with God and they are they get desperately discouraged. Well, here's a promise. Open your mouth wide and God will fill it with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You may not be 90, but you may feel that way spiritually. You may feel so infirmed in the service of the king. But he's able, if you open your mouth wide, he is able and willing to fill it with gospel truth and with blessings. So that you will feel once more your youth renewed like the eagles. These are just examples. Just illustrations of the promise. And God is telling the people here, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But Israel, they would none of me. May we not be like Israel here in verse 11. May it not be said of us that we would have none of God? This command here is a command to expect more from our God. It is a matter of our hearts. Where are our hearts regarding our expectations of God? And in turn, where do our hearts, how are are they revealed in the place of our prayers? And so, are our prayers too small for our God? That our God, who spoke the word and brought this planet into being, who threw the stars into the sky, who split the Red Sea, who brought his son from the dead. Are our prayers too small for the God of the Bible? Have we a God of our imagination who is much, much less than the God of divine revelation? So may the word of God, may it in turn form our expectations of what God is able to do so that in turn we would open our mouths wider, just a little bit wider, Just some more, just open a bit wider because I am able to fulfill the expectations regarding the progress of the kingdom and the provision of spiritual blessings. Our efforts in Christian service will always be in proportion to our convictions regarding what God is able to do. There was a shoemaker, he became a mighty theologian, a Bible translator, a missionary evangelist. He knew that God was able to do and delights to do great things and marvellous things. William Carey became a missionary to India. And he is said to have said that if we expect great things from God, we then in turn attempt great things for God. And So perhaps we are where we are today as a Christian church because we've forgotten to expect great things from God. I said again, may the words of verse 11 not be written over our hearts and over our church. Israel would none of me. May we have much of God in our hearts and expect much from our God. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think.
0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. If you'd like more information about the Gospel or the Church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We preach Christ crucified.